0: coffee break where helena comes to talk i am troy shockley and this is the coffee break podcast thanks for joining our chat today coffee break brought to you by Cochrane insurance folks what the the steve mathis story is
1: uh sure uh so came to helena about 11 years ago been traveling around. uh, Most of my career has been in cancer research, um, but then decided to get into uh, uh, medical center laboratory medicine, which is what I'm doing now. Um, St. Peter's and Helena have just been a wonderful, wonderful experience for me. Um, Life Choices brought me here because of all the wonderful uh, hiking, and I'm a fly fisherman, and hunter and those kinds of things. So, uh, the Helena is just a wonderful
0: place to be. Yeah. You picked a good spot for that. I mean, as, yeah, as diagnostics director, I mean, what, what is it that you do there? What What does your day look like?
1: Uh, you know, it's like anything, you're good at the technical stuff and then you get moved up into management and then your job becomes more about, uh, people and strategy and things of that nature. So, Uh, I don't get a chance to play with any samples or do any of that kind of thing anymore. Um, which sometimes I miss, I, I really enjoyed the hands-on science of the thing.
0: And you've been, uh, they've kept you off the playground and, uh, for how long now, how long have you been uh, in charge out there? (laughs)
1: Uh, yeah, the full, full 11 years that I've been here and, and recently, um, I've also assumed uh, some duties overseeing diagnostic imaging, so that's X-ray, CT, MRI, ultrasound, mammography, um, those
0: kinds of things. Steve Mathis is our guest. He's the diagnostics director out at St. Peter's health and uh, Steve uh, laboratory professionals. I mean, what role do they play in the overall picture of healthcare? I, I think we see, you know, obviously the front line, we, we see the doctors, the RNs, the LPNs. Those are the faces, right? But you guys are kind of behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, very much behind the scenes. I mean, most patients are probably familiar with a phlebotomist that's, uh, collecting the blood, um, Uh, but you really don't see the other parts of laboratory where we're doing all the analysis. So uh, a motto that was part of Lab Week a couple of years ago, laboratory without us, you're just guessing. Um, And uh, that's based on the fact that 75% of clinical decisions are based on laboratory results. So Mm. a critical part in the care continuum.
0: So specifically, what's the role right now as we're, I mean, everyone across the world working to tackle COVID-19? I mean, what's changed? What what role do you play there?
1: Well, a lot of the role uh, initially, and it continues, is just evaluating all the new tests that are coming online. Normally, uh, lab clinical labs use fully FDA-approved testing. Um, There hasn't been time for that, so currently there's about 70-plus emergency use, basically, tests uh, um, out there. Um, So we have to evaluate those, and then the biggest struggle has been constantly trying to get reagents so that we can do more in-house testing. the priorities initially were all geared towards East Coast, you know, high, high prevalence areas, and and that trend continues. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bigger cities get most of the reagents.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, and the, obviously the testing is an important part. I mean, that's that's an integral cog in this whole thing, in this in this fight, isn't it?
1: Well, it, it certainly is. We predominantly favor the PCR test, which. You're actually looking at the genetic materials, so it's it's what we call um, highly specific. So uh, there's very little things that would be interfering with that. So it's a very accurate uh, test. So that's our preference. So, and we've had to, we basically have had to take two to three people out of their normal duties just to process the samples, and by that I mean not even do the testing. That's just to organize all the swabs, get them to the locations that they need to go to, um, things of that nature. So, yeah, it's. Uh,
0: yeah, uh, well, and what we're approaching a pretty big number in terms of tests conducted in Montana now. But I know many of our listeners uh, are still, of course, not been tested. What does that look like? What What happens when someone goes in and gets a test?
1: Yeah, so um, the gold standard for flu testing, um, and in this case uh, COVID testing, is the NP swab, which is the nasopharyngeal swab. And it is long and if you collect it correctly, you will tear up and uh, it's a, it's an uncomfortable collection procedure, um, but it's the gold standard because that's where the viruses live. Um, So then that gets collected, comes to the laboratory. We're sending samples out to, um, the county if we're not testing them in, in, in our lab. And then we're also using another lab, um, for our, uh, pre-surgical screening, uh, testing.
0: So then that test, uh, somebody goes in, they get the test done and then what happens? I mean, they go home and they wait for a phone call, but I mean, that physical test, it goes where, what, what happens with it?
1: Yeah. So, um, if it, wherever it gets tested, uh, it gets collected and we use a PCR test, which is, like I said, amplifying the DNA. Um, and there's different analyzers. Some you can run a huge batch at one time. Some are more single test, uh, uh, throughput, um, but uh, in the batch mode, a lot are collected and, and put on the analyzer. The DNA is amplified, and and then you're looking for your positive or negative results. Then uh, we're making sure we are treating the positives as a as what we call a critical value. I.e., uh, in lab, that means it's a it's a very significant uh, result, and then calling the providers who did the ordering and making sure they know that there's positive there.
0: So who who should get that done? I mean, obviously there's some people where they can tell, you know what, I I'm sick, but I mean, just in general, who, who who's getting this done?
1: Uh, the, the two main uh, buckets are people who um, public health has determined may have been exposed and the other are the symptomatic uh, people. And those are the ones that we're very much focused on. Um, we're not doing, uh, uh, any asymptomatic testing or, you know, just sort of, you know, people that just want to screen just to see, um, kind of testing. Okay.
0: So what's the turnaround time? I mean, maybe that depends on how many are coming in at once and and that sort of thing, but just in general, how, how long are people waiting to find out results?
1: You know, it's about 48 to 72 hours, and there's a lot of variability in there. Um, <clears throat> when, we keep, when we can get reagents uh, for one of our instruments, the test is actually just an hour long. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we're not even getting any of those now, but we used to get about 20 to 30 a month for that. Then bigger batch mode ones are are more in the order of, uh, you know, four to eight hours, but the 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 difficulty is is just the volume. So, you know, you get your results back in forty eight hours, and that's it's it's a volume thing. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. how fast can an instrument run the test.
0: Right. Steve Mathis is the diagnostics director out at St. Peter's Health. We got a couple minutes left with him, and I, I guess maybe the question is when when should people make it a point to get tested? I mean, you already touched on it there, you know, especially if they're having obvious things, you know, fever, whatnot, but maybe are are there some subtle things that might make people go, you know what, maybe I should go just in case.
1: Um, You know, uh, I think the safest bet is to stick to, you know, published guidelines. Basically you're looking for the same flu symptoms that you would normally see Um, and, uh, and, and those are the impetus, but if you have any questions contacting your physician is the best bet because you're going to need a physician order to get tested anyway. So, um,
0: and that was my follow-up, I guess, is if somebody feels like, you know what, maybe I need to don't just show up and say, Hey, I need the, the thing shoved up my nose. I mean, go, go to your, go to your doctor.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Go to your doctor, call your doctor, um, some of this can be done uh, via telemedicine, um, and we try to tailor to that as well. But there's, you know, personal preference uh, to either come in, or uh, or uh, just contact your physician and. and and get an appointment and uh, and go from there if you have any questions is the
0: best bet. Sure. Steve Mathis, the Diagnostics Director out at St. Peter's Health. Steve, thanks for your time today, and, and thanks for the work that you're doing. I know you guys are uh, definitely overloaded out there, and you continue to do it day after day. So thank you for what you're doing for the community.
1: Well, thank you very much. Everybody here at St. Pete's, uh, their job descriptions have changed radically with this, but uh, we just appreciate the community help in all of this and their appreciation as well.
0: Stick around. We've got more Coffee Break coming up. Dr. Todd Wampler is on deck after this. This is Coffee Break, and I'm Troy Shockley. Thanks for riding with us this morning, and we're closing out the show today with Dr. Tom Wampler. He's the president of the St. Peter's Health Medical Group. He's a primary care physician, and he's a COVID-19 incident command team response member. Uh, You know, Doctor, thanks for joining us this morning. You've got a lot of titles. Uh,
2: I do, uh, (laughs) but uh, thank you for having me on this morning. Uh, Happy to let people know
0: what's going on. Yeah, uh, for those that don't know you, can you introduce yourself a little bit?
2: Well, I'm a Helena native born at St. Peter's and I'm a family physician. I came back to town to practice about 18 years ago now. Uh, I am currently the president of the St. Peter's Medical Group. We've got about 120 providers working with the medical group, and I'm just really, really pleased to be a part of the St. Peter's team, which has just gotten stronger and stronger over the years.
0: Yeah, usually when I have doctors on, I I ask, you know, what's your role at the hospital? But, you know, we only have about, uh, you know, 14 minutes left. So I don't know if we have time for you to explain exactly what your role out there is. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I I wear a lot of hats, uh, but it's a a pleasure to do all the stuff that we do for the community.
0: Well, we talked uh, to start the show a little bit with uh, Steve Mathis. Uh, Of course, we talked about COVID, and that's something that you're certainly heavily involved in, invested in. Where are we right now in the community? Because we've been seeing these numbers grow in the past few weeks, matching records of 39 cases the last two days now. We seem to be headed kind of quickly in the wrong direction.
2: I absolutely think that's the right way to look at it. We're headed in the right du- in the wrong direction. We've passed a, an inflection point. You know, we've got widespread community prevalence of COVID-19 right now um, in our service area. We've got more than 600 active cases out there right now, and uh, you know. Uh, The way to look at it is that we're headed in the wrong direction, but we've got time to to get things going back in the right direction. We need the community's help to do that. Uh, There are a lot of things that we can do to help prevent that spread that I think we probably did a little bit better job of earlier in the pandemic. We're all a little bit fatigued with that. I I sure get that, but it's still within our uh, power to to reverse that trend and uh, make things better.
0: Is that where some of this is coming from? Is just a result of people getting a little lax because we're just, we're tired, we're complacent? I mean, is, is that where a lot of this is stemming from?
2: Well, I think that's part of it. Um, obviously, we, we see cases uh, surging all over the place, and in fact, uh, Lewis and Clark County and our surrounding area, I think we've done a relatively good job, particularly within the state. When we look to our neighbors to the north and the, and the west and the east, uh, and we have lagged behind them, I think a lot of it is because we in Lewis and Clark County, we have done a good job. Um, But it is human nature that that we're kind of fatigued with this, and and, and maybe there's just a little bit of, uh, you know, what's the use uh, kind of sense out there. But absolutely, we've done it before, and uh, certainly we can do it again and and tighten things up uh, and take these very simple personal measures that will allow us uh, to continue to stay open in the community. You know, it's very important for uh, businesses to to keep going and and to provide all the services that they need to provide, and, and people need to live their lives, and we can still do that uh, by taking some very simple personal measures.
0: So we're talking with Don, uh, Dr. Todd Wampler here on Coffee Break this morning from St. Peter's Health, and you mentioned, uh, Dr., that we've we've got some community spread right now. Can you explain what that means? What, what is that?
2: Well, what that means is there's so many people out there with the virus right now. Um, that people are spreading it from person to person. It's not people going to Missoula or going to Billings and bringing the virus back. We've got plenty of COVID right now uh, in the county that we can just spread it around uh, to each other. Uh, Certainly at at large events uh, when a large number of people are concentrated in an area, but it also means that uh, even at smaller gal- gatherings at home, uh, it can be spread. You know, uh, even if you, if you try to keep your, your groups small uh, in those small settings in the household, that can be spread around as well there. You're, you have a few people over for dinner, even smaller uh, gatherings like that. Uh, we just we need to be careful uh, with those sorts of things and, and, and do the things that we know can uh, reduce the spread with the social distancing and the mask and, and just being conscientious about hand washing.
0: So, Doctor, what is this, when we're talking COVID, what is this doing to the hospital? I mean, uh, what's the situation there?
2: Well, there's two things that we have to think about. Um, And what's obvious to everybody is, well, you know, capacity of us to, care for people, just availability of beds. Now, for the first time during the pandemic, we're, we're nearing our capacity. Uh, we've currently got 12 uh, patients with COVID admitted to the hospital. We, uh, earlier this week, we implemented phase one of our surge plan, and that, that includes you know taking play, uh, patients who would normally uh, be in the ICU into what we call an advanced medical unit, where we're still able to provide uh, just as high a level of care, but it is definitely stretching our resources a little bit thin. Um, obviously, people understand that Um, going to the emergency room can be a little bit more complicated if we have a bunch of patients in there seeking care for their COVID symptoms, which, you know, absolutely they need to do. It's still a safe place to go for emergency services, uh, but things are going to be a little bit busy. Those things are obvious. But what we often don't think about are the staffing constraints that we have. We have 1,700 caregivers uh, in our system, and we've got a lot of medications and equipment and technology, but we're nothing without the staff to deliver that care, and they're members of the community. So when they get exposed out in the community, where, quite frankly, they're much more likely to get COVID or get exposed to the virus, well, then those uh, caregivers aren't available to. Provide provide care in the hospital for our friends and neighbors. You know, we take a lot of precautions in the hospital. We're wearing masks, we're wearing shields, and we have gloves and we have gowns, and we're very conscientious uh, because we know that that's the setting that we're in. But out in the community, um, if we're around people who aren't wearing masks to protect others, then our caregivers can get exposed to the virus, and that makes them unavailable to our community to help take care of them.
0: Dr. Todd Wampler, our guest on Coffee Break today, and you mentioned uh, 12 COVID patients right now. How many more can St. Peter's handle? I mean, what, what is capacity?
2: Well, you know, capacity uh, involves really the number of beds in the whole system, and and, and so it's a little bit difficult to quantify how many uh, COVID patients can we care for. Well, we'll care for as many as we need to. Uh, However, um, as we start to reach that capacity, we have to think about things like, well, uh, do we need to cancel or postpone elective surgeries and the other things that we do for our community in the hospital that aren't emergencies, but people need those services. You know, oh. when uh, you have a, a knee that's making it un- you unable to walk around and enjoy your life, well, you want to get that knee replacement surgery. It's not an emergency. We don't want to have to put those things off. We don't want to have to put off uh, screening colonoscopies and things like that. Um, But those are the kind of things that we may have to start scaling back on if we start to reach our capacity by caring for so many COVID
0: patients. Right. So not necessarily a COVID capacity, just a a hospital capacity issue. I mean, percentage wise, uh, do we know how close we are there?
2: Uh, well, uh, we, we, um, uh, our, our, our ICU, uh, where we take care of the, the sickest patients, uh, you know, that, that is reaching its capacity and, you know, we can expand that a little bit, uh, in terms of overall hospital capacity. I don't know if I can give you a, a percentage, sure. uh, you know, uh, probably, uh, somewhere around, uh, 85 to 90%, but that's a, that's a pretty squishy number.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but I mean, I think significant, you know, that you can go you know 85 to 90 versus going eh, 60 65 you know i mean i, I that that's significant
2: Certainly. Now, again, uh, we, we, uh, we by uh, d- decreasing those elective uh, procedures that we talked about, we can definitely increase uh, the number of patients that we can care for who get COVID, but we would certainly rather not have to go down that road.
0: Right. Dr. Todd Wampler is our guest on Coffee Break this morning. He's the president of the St. Peter's Health Medical Group. Uh, he's also a primary care physician and a, the COVID-19 Incident Command Team Response member out there. I mean, are, are there plans? You, you mentioned that capacity can be expanded are are there sort of plans in the works to figure out how can we do this because we feel like it's pushing up against that number i mean i i imagine you want to be a little bit uh, proactive not reactive there
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah. We've been planning for this for months, uh, starting in March. Um, And as we saw the case numbers increase, you know, we've been meeting regularly. Our incident command team has been meeting regularly. We drill these plans and and review our surge plans. Uh, We've expanded cross-training of our staff and and, and, uh, turning uh, non-critical care medical beds uh, into medical beds. So, for example, um, you know, at some point we might need to use the beds in our same-day services area, you know, where we would typically, you know, just do uh, same-day surgeries where people get the surgery, go home same day, and, and spend time in those beds. Well, we can convert those beds uh, uh, for acutely ill patients. Um, we have uh, plans to expand our ability to care for people who uh, need uh, emergency or urgent care. So, yeah, we have a lot of plans that we've been doing over the uh, last few months, and, uh, you know, many of them, we hope that we never have to implement. And, uh, I, I, do think that we still have time to turn things around and make sure that we don't have to
0: do that. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, real world results, we're looking at, you know, if we, if you get capacity out there, you know, like you said, you, we can't get knee replacements. We can't have elective surgeries. I mean, that's going to really have a domino effect down the line. Absolutely. So we've talked about it before on the show, but uh, important this year, especially, it sounds like, to go out and get a flu shot.
2: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think it tends to be very uh, down in most of our minds at this point. Well, you know, the flu, we see it every year, big deal. Um, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is we get busy every year during flu season because the flu can make people ill. It pales in comparison to what COVID can do. But when you come to the hospital because you have the flu and you need to get checked out, we don't know if you've got flu or COVID. Um, And we've got to uh, do the testing to figure it out. And since we're nearing capacity right now, if we get a big surge of influenza cases, well, then that just compounds the problem. So what I would say is there's never been a more important year to get a flu shot. So I would encourage everybody to do that. Um, And in fact, uh, here at uh, uh, our Broadway clinic uh, on Saturday, we've got a flu shot clinic, um, and that's going to be from 9 to 1. And uh, anybody uh, uh, can come in and $20 a shot uh, mask is required for doing that but there are many many avenues to get a flu shot out there all of our uh, area pharmacies are giving them uh, and of course your primary care physician is always a good source for that but gosh everybody should get a flu shot
0: yeah well and that that's just it right pretty much anybody can get a flu shot there's really no right restrictions there
2: No, anybody can get a flu shot. Um, There are very rare people who have a true allergy to the flu shot. We used to uh, tell people, hey, if you've got an egg allergy, you shouldn't get a flu shot. That is no longer uh, a restriction. Everybody can get a flu shot.
0: Dr. Todd Wampler is our guest on Coffee Break today. He's the president of the St. Peter's Health Medical Group out there, and he's been kind of filling us in on what's going on at the hospital. Just in terms of, uh, you know, you mentioned your folks out there, your manpower, they can be exposed, they can get sick. I mean, are, are we seeing a lot of that? I mean, are you down manpower wise as well?
2: We have seen uh, several of our our, uh, um, our, our caregivers um, get sick with COVID, really just a couple, and, and that's been because they've been exposed out in the community. Mm-hmm. But one of the bigger impacts is uh, just being a, 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 a close contact and they get quarantined and then they can't come to work for a couple of weeks. So that's been a bigger impact on our uh, workforce at this point uh, because, you know, obviously uh, we want to make sure that our hospital is a safe environment to come in and get Care and so our employees uh, who get quarantined, um, they they you know can't come to work, and uh, we're we're maintaining that very safe environment in the hospital.
0: You've got about forty five seconds left, Doc. What uh, what message do you have for the community?
2: So first of all, I'd like to let people know that it's
0: still it's safe to
2: seek medical care. I mean, it's kind of scary when we talk about uh, having limited beds or limited.
0: Well, he had 45 seconds left. We might have lost Dr. Todd Wampler. Yeah, sounds like the phone gods got us again. Yeah, I think they got us. They're waiting right until the very end. They've done that before. Uh, so uh, apologies to uh, Dr. Todd Wampler out there at St. Pete's. He's the president of the medical group out there, also a primary care physician and a COVID-19 incident command team response member. Uh, doctor, I, I appreciate you coming on and apologize for uh, our phone lines cutting you off. I promise Kurt didn't get an it wasn't a conspiracy, trigger right? finger. And uh, yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, do the things that w- we all know that we got to do. I mean, do the mask thing. I know it's obnoxious. I know it's annoying, but do the mask thing. Wash your hands and uh, we'll see if we can't turn this thing around. So thanks to our friends out at St. Peter's South. But we're all out of time this morning. We'll see you back here tomorrow. I'm Troy Shockley, and that's it for Coffee Break today. Be sure to check us out on iTunes. Head on over. Give us a review there. That's always much appreciated. Or swing by Coffee Break, 959.podbean.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you back here tomorrow.